Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, making things new, which Randy was just singing about. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning uh, because I, I think sometimes we in the church forget that this is part of the Christmas story and part of our story. Uh, John Wesley, when he was uh, getting the Methodist movement going, uh, he had this idea, uh, or rather he received this idea, uh, about sanctification or, or holiness or being made perfect in love. And he said this is what he thought was the, the main reason that God had raised up the Methodist movement. And when he talked about that, he said things like this. Uh, By salvation, I mean not barely according to the vulgar notion, deliverance from hell or going to heaven, but a present deliverance from sin, a restoration of the soul to its primitive health, the renewal of our souls after the image of God in righteousness and true holiness, in justice, mercy, and truth. In other words, it wasn't just about, uh, you know, what they call it, uh, divine fire insurance, you know, making sure you don't go to, he- to hell, but making sure you get into heaven. Uh, but, but rather it was participating in salvation in the here and now, being changed in the here and now, being restored to the image of God in the here and now. And I don't know that we always connect that with the Christmas story, uh, but I want you to hear that, that in, in the birth of Christ, and the coming of Christ, God's, God's giving us a glimpse into this making all things new, into this transformation that God is about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us this morning for the chance to to be together and to come together and worship, whether we're in the room or whether we're online. uh, We are grateful to be in your presence this morning. So come and and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to take you to Luke's gospel. And there's this wonderful passage uh, in Luke's gospel in the first chapter. Uh, Mary has received word that she is going to be the mother of Jesus. And, and she responds with this wonderful, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a poem or a hymn, uh, but this wonderful outburst of praise. And she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And this wonderful uh, hymn of praise uh, is is known as the Magnificat uh, after the the first word of it, which is Magnificat in the Latin version of Scripture. And um, she starts off that phrase, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. And and maybe you not like, but when I was a kid, you know, for me, when I heard the word magnify, I always thought about magnifying glass, right? So I'm thinking, so my soul magnify, how, how do you make God bigger than God already is, you know, and, and how could we do that? And that's kind of where my brain would go with it. So I want to remind you a little bit about what it means to magnify. If you actually look it up, uh, the verb uh, magnify, uh, the first definition is to extol or laud, praise, uh, to cause to held, be held in greater esteem increasing significance, exaggerate, or enlarge in fact or appearance. And most of the time when we see magnify, we only think of that last part of that 
definition enlarge in fact your appearance but actually what mary's doing when she's using it is she's using that first part you know extol laud praise my soul magnifies the lord my soul praises the lord my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he's looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant i mean this beautiful outpouring of of praise that she sends forth uh, and just lifts up her voice and and, and I, I like to remind people when we do this that, you know, when she's doing this, Mary's, she's young. Uh, this is not a, a, a wise, older woman with years of experience. I mean, she's, this, is a, this is a young woman, 13, 14, maybe 15 years old at the oldest. She's a middle schooler. You get this? She's a middle schooler. And she's offering up this amazing hymn of praise and sometimes it just boggles my mind. I mean, but every once in a while I get little reminders that, you know, sometimes the, the young ones are really powerful. Uh, I, I still remember, you know, when we took my son to college, we're dropping him off and, he, and he's telling us, you know, we're saying, well, you know, he says, well, you know, I really this year, I just need to figure out what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm living on my own. I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. I need to figure out uh, how do I handle my studying and, and stay up on my classes on my own figure all that out. He says, I kind of need to learn what it means to be you know, my own person on my own. And, and I want to scope out kind of, you know, who, who's who, you know, who the social groups are here at the school and everything and all that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do any dating this year. I'm just going to kind of work on myself this year. And my wife and I are going, looking at each other going, who is this kid? What did you do with our son? You know, but the amazing thing is he did that. Uh, and so it wasn't until the end of his first year that he started dating the woman that uh, eventually he would marry. But, uh, but, but he took that time and did that. And, and I'm going, who does this? We didn't do this when we went to school, right? Did you? No, you didn't, right? I mean, so, I mean we were stunned. And, and, and I listen when our youth sometimes, like when they're doing youth-led Sunday, or one of them did, recorded one of the Lent videos uh, that we did last year. And I'm listening to them, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. They are so much more mature and deep in their faith at their age than we were. And here's Mary, the middle schooler, the mother of God, lifting up her voice to magnify and the praise. And, and if you listen, if you pay attention, I mean, she's using this language. Listen to the tense of the verb. She's praising God. She's praising God because he's looked with a favor on the lowliness of his servant. That's herself. And she says, surely from now on, now future tense, all generations will call me blessed. And now we're going to go into past perfect. For the mighty has done great things for me. He's already done great things for me. He's done this. And then listen, to that. he's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud and the thoughts of their heart, brought down the powerful, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry, sent the rich away. I mean, she recites through this as if this is all things that has already happened because just in God's choice of her, she understands and sees that God is making all things new and doing something amazing. And, and if you kind of roll the scripture back, roll the scroll back a little bit, right before this great Magnificat, you have the time when the angel Gabriel comes and announces this to her, and she has the classic, you know, well, how is this supposed to be? And he explains it to her, and then she has this wonderful response. Now, once you remember, 13, 14, 15-year-old, angels just told her she's going to be the mother of God, right? And her response is, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
Wow. I mean, sometimes we in the, in the Protestant church and our desire to uh, not be uh, Roman Catholic, we, we kind of downplay Mary and all that. But I want you, I want you to hear the, the depth and the power of her faith, even young. And, and all through the Gospels, Mary is the one who will be steadfast. Mary is the one who will be steadfast. And Mary is the one that will push Jesus into doing his first miracle Right? Son, they got no wine. Take care of it, right? At the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Mary, Mary's going to be there all through the stories. She's going to appear over and over. She's going to be at the end of the Gospels, standing at the cross and the crucifixion. What does it take to be present for your child's execution? I mean, this is a woman of tremendous faith. And she sees in the very beginning. She sees what sometimes we miss. That in the birth of Christ, God is already making things new in powerful ways. So, so if, you, if you read in Scripture, you go back, there's visions where God tells us he's going to make everything new. Uh, in the Old Testament in Isaiah, God gives the prophecy of the holy, the holy mountain uh, for I'm about to create a new heavens and, and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of, be, of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be an infant that lives but a few days, or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands." They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. This amazing word of hope that's spoken to them while they're still in the, in the time of the exile. Just this reminder of the, of the holy mountain. I remember Mount Zion the, where the city of Jerusalem is established. And, and it's going to be this place where, where no calamity is going to happen and, and where all the things that grieve our hearts and tear our lives apart are remembered no more. I mean, it's this powerful vision God hands to Isaiah to share with the people. And you hear echoes of this when you come over to Revelation in the revelation that, come, that God gives to John. When he talks about the holy city. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. See the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. 
And also he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things. I will be their God and they will be my children. And you hear the, the wonderful, from, from Isaiah to, to, to John, you hear this word that God's speaking saying, this is what I'm going to accomplish. And remember when God speaks, God's word has power. When God speaks, things happen. Isaiah reminds us, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they've watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God speaks this word of new creation, and the word has power. The Gospel of John reminds us that the, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul describes Jesus in this fashion, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He, is himself, he himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. So this, this word of God comes in and contains the fullness of God and reconciles all things to God. And in the word of God made flesh, all of God's promises to us become real. He writes to the Corinthians and says, As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no. But in him it is always yes. For in him every one of God's promises is a yes. For this reason it's through him that we say the amen to the glory of God. And I remind you that the amen there is not just, you know, that's not just the word we end prayers with, so you know it's time to go eat dinner. The amen, it literally is the Greek word meaning I believe it, it's true, I agree. So God's word, which has power, speaks of making all things new. And all the fullness of God is contained in Jesus Christ. And all the promises of God are made, yes, in Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, then the birth of Christ marks a point where God comes into the middle of the world we live in, is born among us. And this work of making all things new becomes concrete in the midst of our lives. And the question becomes, you know, do, do you believe that? Do you, do you trust the word? You know, and if the word is made flesh, what that really means is, you know, do, do I trust Jesus? Do I trust Jesus? Do I trust him enough to say, here am I? Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word, according to you, Jesus. 
Are you willing to commit that way? Paul would talk about that new creation taking place in the, the followers of Christ. And he would say, from now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Do you hear how similar that language is to Revelation? How similar it is to Isaiah? The beginning of this new creation that eventually will change all the world begins in each one of us. We're a microcosm of that new creation when we are willing to open ourselves to the birth of Christ into our lives. To the Galatians, he would write and say, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. I mean, the birth of Jesus is this new creation breaking into the world we live in, breaking into our lives in very concrete, specific ways. It's, it's God coming to begin the process of recreating us. And so when you come to Christmas, are you thinking about new creation or is it just kind of the you know, the same old, same old that we do. Granted, after the years of the pandemic, you know, being able to do some of the same old, same old feels pretty good, right? I mean, it is nice to be able to do this. I, I, I get it. But, but, but is it the kind of thing where we're going to come together, we're going to sing all of our great songs, and we're going to have all of our great decorations, and we're going to exchange gifts, and, uh, and we're going to eat way too much, and then, you know, we're going to put it all back up in the closet in the attic of the house, and everything is going to go back to normal again like it never happened. Or does it become a moment when God can do something transformative in you? Now, too often, I think, in the church, we, we often talk about new creation. We talk about being recreated, and we live like we don't really believe it. We don't really think that happens. It's what I call the Popeye syndrome, right? You remember what Popeye used to say? Now, y'all just dated yourselves. You know that, right? <laughs> the only ones who knew that were the older, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I am what I am. I mean, that's, it's the Popeye syndrome. This is it. This is as good as I, I mean, it's as good as it gets, right? But God's making things new. So one morning, a young man walked in my church in, in South Bluff in all of his biker leathers, made my congregation very uncomfortable that morning. He came in and they all thought, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, came in, sat down, and after the service, he came up to me and he says, I was getting up this morning, he said, and I very clearly heard God's voice saying, there's something more to your life than this. He'd been riding with one of the gangs in South Texas. Uh, involved in the drug trade in South Texas. And God said, there's something more to your life than this. And he didn't know what it was, so he came to the church to find out. And fortunately, <laughs> you know, some of our churches he goes to, he might not find out much, but fortunately he came to that church, and they were scared to death of him, but they said, well, uh, 
we don't really know what to tell you, but why don't, why don't, you, why don't, you, come to, why don't you come to the prayer group with us? Why don't you come? We're starting to disciple Bible study. Why don't you come to Bible study with us? Uh, we're going to go out and, and work on someone's house. Why don't you come? They just kept inviting him into things. And, and, and he just kept coming and kept coming. And all of his friends and cohorts from before kept telling him, oh, yeah, this is just it's a phase you're going. This will never last. You, you'll be back. And he, and people don't change. Everybody always comes back. But he didn't go back. He just kept going down this new road that God led him on. And we got to watch as God changed him into someone else. And that's one story. And, and, and there's hundreds more. But the reality is that, that even though we, we get stuck in that place and we begin to think that we can't change or somebody else can't change, that things are always going to be the way they are and God really can't do that. The truth of the matter is God can and, and does make new. But we have to say, here am I. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to you. Here am I. Mary stands with the angel Gabriel, this middle school girl with amazing, powerful faith, and says, here am I. And because of that, we have this whole story that follows. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Mary, (laughs) the lowly servant of God, gives birth to God himself. And the shepherds come to worship, not kings, but shepherds. And all that she had sung about in that Magnificat is suddenly becoming real in front of her eyes. God is making all things new. And in the birth of Jesus, that newness is born into your life and my life. And all we have to do is say, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to you. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you break into the midst of this world we live into and you pour all of your life giving, life-transforming power into the midst of our world and the birth of Christ and into the midst of our lives. You take us as we are and you transform us into who you have created us to be. So hear us as we come this morning with all all of our doubts and all of our misgivings and all of our reservations and stand before you and And give us the courage of love to say, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to you. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.